On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. Now, 60 years ago this month, what was going on in Ireland in June 1963? Your immediate guess, if you can remember that far back, is probably, isn't that when JFK visited Ireland? And yes, of course, the eyes of the world were on this country as JFK came home to the old sod. But it wasn't the only thing going on in Ireland. In fact, actually, the visit of JFK distracted people from something else that was happening at the time, which was the ongoing collapse of several tenement buildings across Dublin, uh, with the loss of some lives and a frantic panic, which had dozens of Georgian houses pulled down in the weeks that followed to try and avoid further catastrophe, all of which led to Ireland's first and only attempt at significant high-rise living. Uh, Donald Fallon is here to tell us all about it. Donald, um, looking at the archive footage now of Kennedy, you can forget all this was going on in the background. Yeah, and isn't it amazing looking at that kind of Hollywood footage of, you know, uh, Camelot, you know, as he as he rides around Ireland. It's amazing stuff, isn't it? Mm. Uh, he drove through the streets of Dublin. Sitting beside him in the car was President Eamon de Valera. I always thought, actually, it made de Valera look even older than he was. You know, yes. this veteran yeah. revolutionary, this kind of Irish Charles de Gaulle, you know, 1916 man uh, sitting in the car beside beside JFK. Yeah, who may not even have been born by 1916, if yeah. I remember properly. It's extraordinary, isn't it? And, you know, JFK told us from the podium uh, in Leinster House, he said, if this nation had achieved its present political and economic stature a century or so ago, my great-grandfather might never have left uh, New Ross. And mm. look, it was a feel-good visit. It was the Ireland of La Masse in some ways on the world stage. But only minutes walk from the streets where his motorcade passed. And in fact, in fact only minutes walk from the doll. You know, people may, may have been asking their own questions about the present economic stature because, you know, houses, as we're going to talk about today, Georgian houses, which became tenements later on, uh, were collapsing. So two fall within weeks of each other in June 1963. Actually, more fall, many fall, but two fall with the loss of lives. Uh, and, you know, it really sparked a huge inquiry into, into housing in the city, not the first or the last one, mm. which delivered kind of many, many shocking findings. And hundreds of families moved out of their homes at very short notice uh, for fear further collapses could be imminent. So that's the kind of stuff in your mind, you know, you think about Strumpet City or, you know, 1913, that this stuff is happening 40 years after independence is, is pretty extraordinary. Yeah, and, and it's not just the fact that two buildings had collapsed and, and people died in two of those collapses. But in fact, this was something which wasn't just a couple of isolated incidents, this was something which was becoming a trend right across the city. Yeah, and uh, historians are still kind of like, why did this happen when it happened? And there's all kinds of theories. There was a very, very bad winter in 1962 that might have been a role. But then June, I mean, we're having fantastic weather uh, at the moment, but mm. June 1963 was, was nothing like this. I mean, Dublin was battered by really, really violent uh, thunderstorms. And there's great archive footage of that, actually, places like Black Rock, Sandy Mount, Drum. I mean, you just would not believe when you look at these places swimming that you're looking at the summer months and not the winter months. Wow. It was real freakish weather when it, when it, when it hit us. And then in the inner city, I suppose, suppose there was the argument that won the winter, the bad winter of 62, the thunderstorms of the summer of 63 had all played their role. Bolton Street, Fenian Street, York Street, you know, Henrietta Street, all of these streets, uh, you get the, the panicked movement of people uh, when these houses seem to be beginning uh, to give way. But I think, you know what, like you can't really explain the problems with these houses in a matter of months. These were houses which had stood since the 18th century. Yeah. You know, in many cases, I think that was that was at the heart of it. But it was it was hard not to be reminded. I think in 1963 that exactly 50 years earlier this had happened. You know, September 1913. So it happened in 1913 as well. Yeah, 66 and 67 Church Street came crashing down, uh, killing seven people. That was against the backdrop of the 1913 lockout. Actually. It's a, Really sad story. One of the people killed in Church Street, Eugene Salmon, he was a locked out worker. He was from Jacob's Biscuit Factory. He'd been locked out the day before. 
Okay. Which is amazing. I mean, and then the next day he's caught up in this tragedy. He gets out of the house and he goes back in trying to, to rescue his, his siblings. Oh so 1913, you know, that set in motion a housing inquiry. That was a very damning inquiry. It revealed how many members of Dublin Corporation were themselves tenement landlords. Hmm. Some of these guys were, you know, self-described Irish nationalists. <laughs> they owned yeah. seven or eight rickety tenements in the middle of in the middle of town. And it revealed, you know, the shocking number of homes in the city that were deemed to be unfit for human habitation. So they were 50 years on from that, 50 years on from the lockout and it's it's still happening which is just extraordinary and funnily enough it is not far away from Church Street where those buildings collapsed in 1913 that the concerns of 1963 happened because it's only just almost literally around the corner yeah. on, on Bolton Street is the first of these pretty collapses. much yeah pretty much Church Street leads onto, on, onto Bolton Street 2nd of June 1963 and the big story I mean June 1963 is dominated by big characters in the news okay so at, at the Vatican the Pope is kind of slowly dying there's 35,000 Catholics praying in St. Peter's Square JFK is on his way to Ireland. I mean, we're, we're kind of caught between the Pope and, and JFK in the mm. news cycle. <laughs> but then this happens and, and you just have to pay attention to it. And it, it. It's a really shocking image that makes its way onto the front of the papers. And it actually looks like a bombed house of the, of the emergency. You know, bombs had sometimes fallen on Dublin during the Second World War. And that's what it looked like. Uh, 20... Uh, Bolton Street three storey house comes comes crashing down into the street Leo Maples and, and his wife Mary 84 and 82 years of age you know, people who were alive uh, they, the they, they've lived through so much who had lived through so much yeah and who were alive at the time of the Church Street tenement collapse uh, and it's just it's just absolutely extraordinary I mean there's another man he's interviewed in the papers he talks about how he was able to stumble from the rubble and began digging with my bare hands to free the four members of my family still trapped so it is it's a kind of it's a it's a, it's a wartime kind of image yeah. you know that goes into like, the front it, gen- it kind of reminds me of the stuff that we talk about because you know whenever there's a big humanitarian tragedy and we were even actually reminded of it last night during the football because the mascots at the Champions League final were from the earthquake affected mm. region of Turkey and it's the sort of thing that you see after there's been an earthquake and previously steady buildings have fallen to rubble and people scramble out and immediately they're trying to find their friends and family and this was happening here 60 years ago in in 1963 it's just amazing and and when they look into why why it happens 20 Bolton Street it's a vulnerable building uh, the buildings on either side of it had been kind of pro- what they would call privately demolished and it meant that the, the gable wall was kind of exposed okay. and you know when, when when that wall collapsed it brings the whole house tumbling down with it mm. so Dublin's changing in the 60s I mean it's, it's in some ways it's a, it's, it's a kind of positive age it begins very bad I mean we talked about this recently the 1961 census showed the lowest population we'd ever had yeah. uh, since the days of the Great Hunger but then things are starting to get better economically the city's changing they're taking down the old rickety tenements they're building new things but the ones that are still standing are often particularly vulnerable and that's what happened on Bolton Street and it's the ones that are particularly uh, left standing then are what breeds some concern because naturally people begin to panic because so many of the other houses around the city are of the same age and vintage as the ones that have just come down yeah if you live in a Georgian house and, and the Georgian house next door just, just fell down it's kind of natural isn't it that a, a big panic would start descending uh, over over the city so the little cre- creeks the appearing cracks all of these things you, you may not have noticed in the past now they're kind of warnings of, of imminent danger I mean, you get this report in the paper two days after Bolton Street. At Buckingham Street last night, a Dublin Corporation building inspector, summoned by the tenants, took one look at a 30-foot-long crack which had appeared in a gable wall and ordered everyone out. The idea that they needed an inspector to tell them that a building that had a 30-foot crack on the end wall might have been in danger. It's extraordinary, isn't it? And then, 10 days on from Bolton Street, it happens again on Fenian Street. People might be wondering where is where is Fenian Street? Uh, it's it's about a stone's throw from Merrion Square. Yeah, you know it's right there. But the, the Ginger Man pub yes. is on is on yes, is on yeah. Fenian Street. Twitter headquarters. Uh, Twitter headquarters yes. is there too. Yeah, and it, it's it's right around the corner in some ways from the centre of political power. 
And in some ways, it's very different from Bolton Street. Bolton Street, you have these two elderly Dubliners who had lived through you know, the, the, the 1913 collapses and everything else. Here, it's two eight-year-old kids, Linda Byrne and, and Marie Vardy from Hollis Street. Uh, so numbers three and four come crashing down into the street there. And it's just madness. The, the paper the next day talks about 20 people in a panic evacuated from a home on Blackhall Street. Uh, a woman from a neighbouring street tells the paper, as I passed the gable wall, I heard a loud crack and I saw the wall bulge. I got the fright of my life. It kind of felt like everything in Dublin mm. you know, that was older than 150 years uh, was like was liable to fall at any given time. Yeah. Uh, just as in 1913, uh, 50 years earlier, there are, of course, demands for an inquiry. Uh, but the results of the inquiry then do have this ongoing and lingering footprint in what happens to the city afterwards. That inquiry totally transforms the, the appearance of Dublin. I mean, Erica Hannah, great historian, she writes about how 1,200 tenements came down in the immediate aftermath of that inquiry. 1,200 Georgian buildings uh, were brought down. And if you so, consider how many people were living in each individual tenement, that's an enormous number of people who need moving Absolutely. And it, look, that, that, that leaves a very good question. You know, where, do you, where do you put these people? So they, they put them into the, the, the living quarters of fire stations because you know firemen used to live in station with their families so that space was available they put them into you know army barracks they put them uh, into prefabs it all sounds it's, very familiar it all it? sounds very familiar yeah it does all sound very familiar indeed and then the corporation kind of says okay well we need to think differently here so 64 the year after the collapse the corporation sends officials to Stockholm Paris Copenhagen and what they're really looking at there is high-rise housing. I mean, that really goes into their heads, ah. this idea that, you know, we need to build up. We have to rehouse so many people in a very short period of time. We need we need to build up. And the Minister for Local Government, Niall Blaney, he gets it into his mind that we can and we should build those kind of high-rise apartments mm. uh, in Dublin. And it's Ballymun, of course. And, and then, so we, we get Ballymun and at first they're considered to be a great success because they don't look anything we've ever had before, but it sort of seems like a very compact way of of sorting a lot of problems out. There's a beautiful image of them on the front of the, of the Irish Independent and I love how they describe them. Sunshine and symmetry in Ballymun. These towers epitomise the achievements of modern construction techniques. Mm. They're beautiful looking things. Absolutely beautiful looking things. Uh, but as we'll get into, I suppose the problems were, were not the towers themselves, but the shocking absence of amenities around them. Yeah. I mean, they, they promised all kinds of things on the ground that were that were never actually uh, delivered. And the Germans have an interesting approach to this when, they, when they're doing urban planning. They'll build a train station before they build an apartment complex. Mm. You know, they'll, yeah. they'll build the schools before they build a, a, yeah, supermarkets, a single childcare, all this sort of stuff. All yeah. this stuff at the very beginning. And, you know, Rosita Sweetman, great journalist, she went out there in, in 72 and she said, if Ballymun explodes into a riotous ghetto in a few years' time, when its present population of 6,000 children under the age of six grow up to be teenagers, Ooh. they'll send in social workers and psychiatrists and policemen to patch up a problem that's unpatchable. In other words, you can't have thousands upon thousands of children and nothing for them to do. Yeah, and of course, then that, that their coming of age coincided with the arrival of drugs into the city in a meaningful way, and then things things get downhill pretty quickly. Um, and so then what was intended to be this kind of satellite town working off its own strength, it never quite reaches the vision that was imagined for it. No, more people were meant to live in it than at Lone, Sligo or Dundalk. You know, it was meant to be one of Ireland's biggest towns in its own way, a satellite town. That was the idea. But look, a singular lift in a 15-storey building, yeah. that's a design fault. Mm. And I always think about those, you know, young mammies on the top floor, the Ballymont towers bringing the pram up and down every day and that did lead to the protest on on the ground so I mean I think unfortunately we've abandoned that idea in this country and maybe we need to think about it again of building up the idea of good quality mm. high-rise uh, public housing but you know Ballymun unfortunately I think even by the late 60s 
I mean, they only opened in, in the 60s, but the late 60s, it had almost become a kind of byword for, for bad planning. But it's extraordinary, those towers in Ballymun, they went up in the 50th anniversary of the Rising and they were gone by the centenary. Yeah. You know, when you think about it like that, they, they were gone in the blink of an eye. And then mounted uh, as a direct result of the collapse of Tenement Buildings 60 years ago this month. Uh, before you go, Dodo Fallon, you've got something going on next weekend. Uh, <laughs> not quite a stone's throw from Henrietta Street. Yeah, so, no. Somewhere a bit poor <laughs> Well, I suppose today we're talking about the suburbs and one of the great writers of the suburbs is, is Roddy Doyle I'm very lucky to be interviewing Roddy next week at the, the Docky Book Festival the 17th of June out in Docky so that's a funny one uh, I suppose it'll be, a, it'll be a, a lighter Bloomsday than I'm used to on the 16th <laughs> Will there be uh, I never would have thought that Docky was the new Barrytown but there you go yeah. uh, Donald Fallon will be at the Docky Book Festival talking to uh, Roddy Doyle next week he is also the author of Three Castles Burning A History of Dublin and Twelve Streets the Easton's Book of the Year for 2022 he's also the presenter of Three Castles Burning the podcast about the history of the capital city which you'll find anywhere you get your audio online On the Record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11 Brought to you by PwC Great minds think unalike Different skill sets Diverse opinions It all adds up to the new equation On News Talk.